Hi, I'm Pastor Colin Smith, Senior Pastor of The Orchard. We're a church that loves the Bible, and this podcast features sermons from pastors at each of our six locations. Our prayer is that these messages will help root you in the Word of God, nourish you in the Gospel of Christ, and help you to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Here's today's message. This morning we're starting a new series the book of Daniel called Standing Firm in a Strange New World. Because the Bible describes believers as strangers and aliens in this world, as outsiders, as those who belong to a different world, another world. Have you ever felt like an outsider in this world? Perhaps at work or a social event or at school or maybe even among your friends. If you travel to a foreign country, you'll notice right away that you don't belong because the language is different, the dress is different, the food is different, the customs are different. That's why moving to another country is so difficult, so hard. Everything's so strange and different. But the reason we're called strangers in this world isn't because of our language or because of our food. We're called strangers because as believers, our allegiance, our values, our beliefs are different from this world. We live in a culture where people are spiritual, but not many are interested in the authority of the Bible. Where many believe in a higher power. Oh, sure, yes, I believe in a higher power. But not many are interested in the one true God, the one who can take away their sin. We live in a world where many believe in morals, yet their morals are very different and oftentimes in opposition to what we see in the Bible. And I think we can all confess the pressure we feel every day to conform to the pattern of this world. Do you feel the pull of the world on your heart with all its Temptations, do you feel the temptations pulling at your heart every day? And do you ever wonder if you'll able to be able to stay faithful to God? If you'll be able to stand firm? And what about those you love? Do you ever wonder if your children or even if your grandchildren will be able to stand firm in a culture that's so hostile to God? Instead of getting better, it seems that every year more and more people are leaving the church and abandoning God, how can we stand firm as strangers in this world? For the next few weeks, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how he was able to stand firm in faith in a place he didn't belong. At a very young age, Daniel, along with a few others, were taken from their country, taken from their home, and taken even from their families. And they were pressured to conform to a new culture that rejected God, that didn't know the Bible, and that persecuted anyone who didn't worship the king. Yet these young men were able to stand firm. Not only were they able to stand firm, they were also to greatly influence their world. And they witnessed, get this, these young men witnessed this wicked king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who invaded their country, come to believe in the God of the Bible. This king began to worship the living God. So we look 
the book of Daniel these next few weeks, my prayer is that you'll be able to not only stand firm in a strange new world, but also to influence this world, to be light to others around you. And I want to begin this morning by showing you four ways the Lord will sustain your faith in this world. Book of Daniel is all about how the Lord sustained faith in this young man. And just as God sustained his faith, the Lord will also sustain your faith. Now, in chapter 1, we're not only introduced to Daniel, but to Shadrach, Meshach, and And from chapter 1 to chapter 6, we never see these young men lose their faith. They refrain from defiling themselves with the king's food and wine. And in the next few weeks, we'll see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fire because they refuse to worship and bow down to the golden image. We'll see Daniel pray to his God, even if it meant that he'd be thrown into the den of lions. But how were they able to do this? How were they able to stand firm in faith? Four reasons. First, they were able to stand firm because they were grounded in God's. They were able to stand firm in faith because they were grounded in God's word. Before Daniel and his friends were deported to Babylon, before the reign of this faithless king, King Jehoiakim, These young men lived and grew up during the reign of King Josiah. Do you remember what happened during the reign of King Josiah? For years, the people of God had turned away from him. But after Josiah became king, the high priest Hilkiah found and read the book of the law to Josiah. The book of the law was literally lost and forgotten somewhere in the temple. Can you imagine? If there was only one copy of the Bible and it was lost in some church basement somewhere, well, that's what happened during Josiah's time. But by God's sovereign grace, God's word was recovered. And after finding the book of God's law, this prophet Hilkiah brought it and read it to the king. And after hearing God's word, we're told a great shift happened in Israel. Listen to 2 Kings Chapter 23, verse 3. And the king, that's King Josiah, stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. The king's heart was moved. And he destroyed the idols in the land. He restored the feasts found in the book of the law. And the people turned back to God. There was great revival in the land of Israel. And it was during this time that Daniel and his friends grew up in the royal palace. They were of royalty. And because of their status, they would have been assigned a teacher to teach them the word of God. King Josiah would have made sure the next generation of his people would never forget God's word. And they would have been taught the importance of obeying and loving God's word. And growing up during this time, these young men, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they were grounded in God's word. 
and they were able to stand firm in faith. Now, this past Tuesday evening, our congregation here at Vernon Hills held our first Awana night, and there were 50 kids who came out to hear God's word. I know this because I was here this past Tuesday evening working on Daniel chapter 1. But as I saw the teachers leading their groups and teaching their lessons, I couldn't help but think to myself, these teachers are doing exactly what Daniel's teacher must have done for him. They're planting God's word. They're grounding these young children in the Bible so that when they grow up, they can stand firm. If you're volunteering in Sunday school or in Awana, I want to remind you of the great, important work that you're doing, the great responsibility you're tasked with. You're not just watching the kids so that parents can worship. The book of Daniel is telling you that you're praying for the kids, that your lesson planning, that you're volunteering is building up the next generation of faithful verse so that, like Daniel, they can stand firm in faith. That's your task. Be grounded in the word of God and you will be able to stand firm in faith. That's how they stand, stood firm. It's through the word of God. Second, not only does God sustain faith when you're grounded in his word, but he also sustains faith when you come to know and encounter him, when you come to know the living God. Listen to what Daniel says in chapter 1, verse 32. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying that he was able to stand firm in his faith and his friends were able to stand firm in their faith because they knew their God. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer makes the point that it's possible to know a lot about God without truly knowing God. He says that a person can study the books and memorize the verses and learn the creeds and know the history without hardly knowing or encountering the true living God. But if you want to stand firm in faith, it's not only about studying and learning facts. Rather, you must come to know and encounter and experience the living God through his word. That's how King David was able to stand firm against Goliath. You remember that story? All the soldiers, all his brothers, even King Saul was afraid of God. But this little shepherd boy was able to boldly face his enemy. How was he able to do this? It was because he knew that his God was stronger than this uncircumcised Philistine. And he boldly declared, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of God? That's how the apostle Paul was able to face shipwreck and stoning and hunger and ridicule because he knew the surpassing worth of knowing God. Listen to what he says. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things 
and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And that's how Daniel and his friends were able to stand firm because they knew God. If you find yourself slipping into the patterns of this world and conforming to its desires, if you find yourself falling into temptation and succumbing to evil, if you feel that you've lost your zeal and passion for the Lord, it's possible that you may have lost your vision. And it's not your willpower or a high IQ or the right mentor or the right program that's going to bring you back on track. Rather, to stand firm, to stand firm in faith, you must encounter and know and experience the living God. Do you want to know the living God? Do you want to experience the presence of God? Perhaps you've been coming to church for many years, but you've never truly experienced and encountered the Lord. If that is you, the Lord is speaking to you today. He's calling out to you. And he's saying to you, seek me and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and I will reveal myself to you. You want to stand firm in faith? Then you must come to know the true and living not only does God sustain faith through his word, not only does he sustain faith through knowing him, but he also sustains faith through our resolve, through our resolve. Look at chapter 1. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs, to allow him not to defile himself. Now, some scholars think that Daniel refrained from the king's food and wine because the food was unclean and against the food laws in Leviticus. But this doesn't make sense because wine is never declared unclean. Jesus is drinking wine in the New Testament. Others think it was because the food was sacrificed to idols. But this doesn't make sense because the vegetables that Daniel ate, along with the meat and the wine, would have also been offered to idols. So why did Daniel refrain from eating the king's food and wine? The most convincing argument, I think, given by Old Testament scholar John Walton is that Daniel refrained from the food in order to declare a fast. He was fasting. He made a personal choice to refrain from the king's meat and wine. Think about this. After coming to Babylon, Daniel was given a new name, a Babylonian name. And Daniel, which means God is my judge, was changed to Belshazzar, which means may Bel protect his life. He was also given a Babylonian education reserved for the king's own sons, a stellar education in Babylon. And he would have learned the history, the mythology, the astrology, the lore of Babylon. And on top of, on top of this, he could have also shared in tasting the choicest food that money could buy in his time, the finest wine, the best delicacies of meat. 
But you know what he said? He said, no. He resolved to refrain himself from the king's food. Hey, he had the freedom to eat the food. Why would this young man refrain from the king's food and wine? He resolved not to eat so that he could remind himself of where he came from, so that his heart wouldn't be overcome, so that he could learn to depend on the Lord. He chose to fast from the food because he resolved to live for the Lord. And notice how resolved Daniel was. He tells the chief of the eunuchs his plan. He says to the chief, listen, I don't want to defile myself with the wine and the meat, so just give us vegetables. And what does the chief say? The chief says, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't just give you vegetables. You might look sickly. And then I would get in trouble by the king. At this point, Daniel could have just given up. He could have just said, well, at least I tried. I tried to be... I tried to resolve not to eat, but what can I do? The chief said no, but that's not what he does. He trusted in God, and if the chief wouldn't listen to him, he went to the steward, and he makes a deal with the steward, and he tells the steward to test him for 10 days and to see if they look sickly after these 10 days, eating only vegetables and water. And do you know what happened? The Lord blessed Daniel and his friends. They only ate vegetables, yet they grew stronger and looked better in appearance than all who ate the king's food. Now, I want to be clear. The application here isn't stop eating meat and stop drinking wine and we all need to become vegetarian. It's not the application. Rather, Daniel chapter 1 is restating the New Testament teaching, though all things are lawful, not all things are Though all things are lawful, not all things build up. That's the teaching here. It's good to show restraint even over legitimate pleasures in this world. There are times where instead of saying, is it wrong or is it right? It's better to ask, is this wise? Will this lead me to sin or will this lead me to Christ? And do you know what? If you resolve to live for the Lord, if you resolve to live for the Lord, God will strengthen you. Psalm 29 states, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord will give you strength when you resolve to live for him. Is there any restraint that you need in your life today? Anything that you need to resolve, to refrain from? Resolve to live for the Lord, to honor him. And if you do, he will not leave you alone. Do you think if you resolve to live for God, he will just say, well, okay, well, let's see how you do. Not at all. Absolutely not. If you resolve to live for him, the Lord will be with you and he will strengthen you. The Lord gives strength to his people. Just as God blessed these young men, God will also bless you. Fourth and finally, the Lord sustains faith, not only through his word, not only through knowing him, not only through our resolve. He sustains faith when we, we, we remember Christ's coming victory. The Lord sustains 
faith when we remember Christ's coming victory. When you look at verse 2 of chapter 1, we're told that God gave, God gave and delivered Judah into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. Let me just say that again. It was the Lord who allowed his people to be captured, who allowed Daniel and his friends to be taken captive. Now, why would the Lord allow this to happen? These are his people. Babylon is the enemy. How could God let Babylon capture his people? The Lord allowed this to happen so that he might turn his people back. So that through this captivity even, King Nebuchadnezzar would come to know and worship the living God. The Lord has his plans. Ultimately, Daniel chapter 1 is showing us that the Lord is behind everything that happens, not only to Daniel, but over everything in history, over everything in our lives. Do you know that God is in control over all that's happening in your life? And the Lord isn't asleep. The Lord isn't far away. The Lord isn't weak. But the Lord is working all things according to his good and perfect plan. Chapters 2 to 6, we'll read in greater detail what happened to Daniel and his friends during their time in Babylon. But at the end of chapter 1 in verse 21, we're told how things ended up for Daniel. We get to the end of this. Verse 21 jumps to the end of Daniel's life. It says, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Do you see what this verse is saying? King Cyrus was the king of Persia. Cyrus conquered the Babylonian Empire. And Daniel was there to see it. Daniel was in Babylon for 70 years. And at the end of 70 years, it wasn't the kingdom of Babylon that was standing or any of the kings of Babylon who were standing. But who is standing at the end? It's Daniel, the man of God. It's the man of God who remained. And do you know what Cyrus did in his first year as king? It's right there, Ezra chapter 1. Cyrus made a proclamation and he said that all God's people could return to Israel so they could rebuild the temple, so that they could return and, and worship the Lord. For 70 years, Daniel lived in a foreign land wondering what would happen to his people. And he was there long enough to see God's promise fulfilled that God would allow his people to return to the land so that they could worship. Do you see the power and the glory of verse 21? Do you see what verse 21 is, is teaching us? Telling us, the Lord is telling us, kingdoms in this world will rise and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will remain forever. How awesome is that? You know, when you read ancient history, you'll read about the great power of the Akkadians and the Hittites. You'll learn about Egypt and the pyramids and Babylon and Persia. You'll learn about Greece and the philosophers and Rome and the Caesars and the Ottomans and Napoleon and the great French Empire. But ask anyone today if they have any idea who the Akkadians or Hittites are, and all you'll get is nothing but a blank stare. Who are they? 
And if you go and visit Egypt, you'll see nothing but a bunch of pyramids that are decaying year after year. And what about Greece and Rome? Well, these are places we go now for romantic vacations. And an ottoman? Well, that's the thing you'll put your feet on in front of your chair. And mention the name Napoleon, and let's be honest, the first thing we think of is dynamite, not Bonaparte. But the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel is still reigning and ruling today. And he is being worshipped all over the world, even today. And he will be worshipped for all eternity. For the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures through all generations. And his reign will never, ever come to an end. I know we're living as strangers and aliens in this world. I know that life isn't easy and that pressures surround us. I know there are hardships and trials in this life. But you can stand firm because God is in control. He'll always be in control. And when all is said and done and Christ returns in victory, all the leaders and kingdoms and evil will come to an end. But for all of you, you will remain. And the Lord's going to take you home, finally going to go home to a city whose designer and builder is God. Stand firm in faith as you ground yourself in scripture, as you come to seek and know the living God, as you resolve to say no to this world, and as you look forward to the coming victory you have in Jesus Christ. Pray together. Father, we feel the pressures of this world and the temptations that war against our hearts, but help us to remember that you are sustaining, that we can stand firm because of your power and your strength. And Father, we pray daily, open our eyes to see you more and more and give us resolve that we may live for your kingdom and for your glory all the days of our lives. We praise you, God, and we pray all of these things. Thank you for listening to the Orchard Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe, become a regular listener, and share the link with others. And if you're in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, we'd love to welcome you as our guest at one of the Orchard's six locations. For more information, go to theorchard.church. That's theorchard.church.